Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. If you've been walking with God for any length of time, then I'm sure by now you are willing to admit with the rest of us that there is a war within you. And it's often complicated to walk in the Spirit. You see, you and I are in a way three beings or three parts living in one house. There is the spiritual part that we describe as my spirit that became alive in Christ. There is my solical part that is my self-life and often my own will and my own opinion and my own understanding. And then furthermore, there's my physical life, my body that often leans towards the things of the flesh and carnality and sin and degradation. So there are three portions to me. There is a body, there is a soul, and there is a spirit. And it makes it complicated because each one of those entities, if you will, body, soul, and spirit, they're a master, they're an expert in their own way and in their own field. The body is an expert in sin. The soul is an expert in self. And the spirit is an expert in the things of eternity. And so hence the confusion, hence the complications, and hence, quite often, the internal raging war. Because the Spirit wants to lead the entirety of my being into the things of God. My flesh, on the other hand, wants to lead the entirety of my being into the things of this world and the things of sin. And then stuck here in the middle is my soul. And if my soul sets its mind on the things of the flesh, it's going to go the way of the flesh. And if my soul sets its mind on the things of the Spirit, it's as though my lifestyle can go after the things of the Spirit. In Romans 8, Paul describes this vividly. In verse 5, he says, Those who are according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. He goes on to say that the mind that is set on the flesh is going to be death. And the mind that is set on the Spirit is going to be life and peace. That is, your mind in a way is a gateway towards fleshly things or spiritual things. And if you want to live the Christian life and live it in peace and live it in power and live the overcoming life, then Paul would teach you there in Romans 8, it depends on where you set your mind as to whether you will experience that reality. You can't expect breakthrough in spiritual things if your mind partners with your flesh. Your flesh cannot expect sin to to, to be its reality if your soul leans into the things of the Spirit. So, whom will your soul, your choice, 
partner with? The spirit or the flesh? Well, that is the issue of our discussion today. You see, your spirit has a doctorate, if you will, a PhD in the things of God. Your flesh has a doctorate, a PhD, if you will, in the things of sin. And yourself has a PhD in the things of I, me, and myself. And so you have these three masters, these three experts that are pitted one against the other. And Paul gives us a beautiful hint in Romans that we don't have to live a life in the flesh. Actually, we can put to death the deeds of the body if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Beloved, follow along with me and let's see how your soul, in a way, your mind, is the gateway to a spiritual life or the gateway towards a carnal sinful life. So in this text, Paul extrapolates the triune God. He speaks of the Father here. He speaks of the Son here. He speaks of... The, the Spirit here, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. But at the same time, as he's talking about the triune God, he's also talking about the trichotomous nature of a man. That is the three-part, three-fold nature of the man. He will talk about the body and the flesh of a man. He will talk about the mind or the soul of a man. And he will also talk about the Spirit that is in partnership with the Holy Spirit of a man. So even as God is one, yet three, Father, Son, and Spirit, He will in a way uh, carry that over into a man. You're just one man, but within your being there are, as it were, three parts. The body, the soul, and the Spirit. Let me write it down on the screen here for you. There is your body, there is your soul, and there is your spirit. And Paul would also say within each of these three aspects of your being, there is a law that is dynamic, present, operative, powerful, prevailing. In your body, Paul would say, there is the law of sin in the members of the body. In Romans chapter 7, Verse 23, he would speak about this sin, this presence, this power, even this law that regulates the body. So no matter which way you interpret this body, Paul would say the law of sin is always present in this body. So this body hosts, as it were, sin and death. But there's also a law in the soul of a man, notably the mind of a man. In Romans 7, Paul would say this, this mind of, of man can, can think on good things. This mind can pursue good things. And this mind has this law within it called the law of good in the mind, if you will. And this is where the mind literally puts itself on the law of God. And the mind really tries to pursue good things. And the mind tries to, you know, 
walk away from bad things. So in the body, there is the law of sin. In the mind, there is the law of good. And then here in Romans 8, Paul talks about a law that's also within the spirit of a man. There is the law of the spirit of life within this man. So even as God is three in one, here is a snapshot of you in a way three in one. And there are three uh, dynamics, uh, three operations, there are three laws. If you will, there are three empowerments and regulations within you. Your body is pulling you this way into sin. Your mind, which is in your soul, is pulling you into good. Hey, let's do better. Let's try harder. Let's be more pleasing to God. And then your spirit is pulling upward into God Himself. Your spirit is coalescent with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit wants to feed your spirit. The law wants to feed your mind. And sin wants to feed your body. And beloved... All three of these dynamics are operative within you even to this day. That's why it's so difficult to live the Christian life. Because your body is shouting, come this way. Let's do it the flesh's way, the way of sin and the way of death. And listen, there is a stronghold. There is a magnetism of sin and death that pulls your body in this direction. But then in your soul, in your mind, perhaps there's the law of good. Your mind is constantly saying, oh, let's not do it. Let's pursue good. And many of us even pursued religious practices and religious ordinances and and, and religious uh, uh, standards. And that's all in your mind that wants to do good and combat this evil. But Paul would say, hey, the law of sin in the body is stronger than the law of good in your mind. So with your mind, you say, oh, I want to do good. But then Paul says, I find within me a different law that usurps that good in my mind. And it pulls me down into the law of sin and death. So man, no matter how many times I want to do good, I find myself actually doing exactly the opposite. But then Paul comes along and he says, now there's also in your spirit the law of the spirit of life. And so beloved... There is a war within you. There is a tension within you. And there could often be a frustration within a Christian if he does not learn how Paul presents for us the normal Christian life and how it is to be lived out. Paul is saying to us here in this text, in essence, I want you to capitalize on the spirit. I do not want you to capitalize on the body. And this is something often that we find in Christian circles. We find this with in all the religions of the world where we capitalize on the body. Let's do not do this. Let's pursue this. Let's cut this out of our life. And then hopefully we will connect in spirit. Paul says, no, you can't fixate on the body. If you want to live the spiritual life, you have to be regulated by the law of the spirit of life. So we have, in essence here, the spirit warring with the body. 
Your body is wanting to pull you into this direction. And the Spirit of God is wanting to regulate you into this living, this direction, etc., etc. And beloved, standing right here in the middle as a gateway is your soul. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The way that Paul presents it here in Romans chapter 8 is that your mind plays a crucial role in walking in the Spirit. So your mind has to set itself on the spiritual things. In the Spirit, there is a reality of God. There is a reality of life. There is a reality of resurrection power. Now, your soul, which is your mind and your will, and your emotions, but here Paul mostly refers to the mind. Your mind now has to set itself onto spiritual things. Then Paul says, your body that has sin and death in it can actually be dealt with. So those who mind the things of the Spirit, they will experience life and peace. On the contrary, those who mind the body the flesh, they are going to find themselves at odds with God and they're not going to be able to please God in the body. So if you fixate on the body and even try to wash the body by your own strength and train it by your own religious ordinances and standard, even if your body is squeaky clean, but it's by your own self that you did that, then Paul says, you're, you're at odds with God. So here in this passage, Paul tells us a little bit how to live the spiritual life. I want to use the acronym PHD. In spirit, soul, and body. You know, in the natural life, when a person has a PhD or a doctorate, as far as the human verdict is concerned, this person who has a PhD has arrived at the highest level of knowledge in that particular arena or that uh, discipline or that um, philosophy, if you will. So, your body... It's a PhD. It is an absolute doctorate in certain things. And it's the same with your soul. Your soul has a PhD. It is at the highest level of a way of living, a way of thinking. And the same with your spirit. Your spirit also has a doctorate. A PhD at the highest level in the ways of God. So those PhDs then are competing and warring with one another, and it converges really here in your soul. Will this doctorate of the soul, will he lean into the doctorate of the spirit, or will he lean into the doctorate of the flesh? Well, hey, I want to start off with the body. Paul uses the body and the flesh interchangeably, but can I just be succinct here? 
God created the body to be the house of God, to be the temple of God, to be a kind of a vessel and a kind of a vehicle that is to be filled. But we know that because of the law of sin and death, that body is being uh, twisted and degraded into the flesh. So the body and the flesh is a little bit synonymous, although the body represents that original creation aspect of God. The flesh represents that twisted, perverted aspect of the body. So let's look at the PhD that the body thrives on. First of all, because of the influence of sin and death, everything that the body does, even if the body does religious practices, it's all a perversion of the economy of God. And this is about as good as the body can ever get. It will always twist and pervert the original intention of God. God meant for this body to be a temple, and now sin will twist and pervert it and make this body egocentric and a show-off. God meant for this body to love and be loved. Now sin and death will regulate it into a perversion of sexual uh, indiscretion and brokenness. God meant for this body to work and to govern and to live and to express the beauty of God. Now sin and death will pervert this body and make it sloppy and lazy and unclean and yeah, inferior to what God originally intended. Furthermore, this body will train itself in numerous habits practices of its own greedy lust. And it has a doctorate in its own habits. It wants to do things a certain way. And this body is now trained for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. As long as you are alive, living in the body, this body is being influenced by the course of this world and the elements of this world and even deeper, the regulation of sin and death. So this body is so accustomed to its habits and its practices. It's a doctorate in this arena. And lastly, everything within this body is in the process of decaying. It's in the process of decay. That's why I have to bathe this thing every single day, because it sweats. I have to groom it. Um, it's, it's in decay. In fact, you and I are one day closer to our ultimate decay than ever before. And why is that? It's because of sin and death. Beloved, there is no magic pill or fountain of youth that's going to keep this thing alive forever. It's on its way out. Why? Because of sin and death. So the body has a PhD. And now it is warring against the soul and the spirit. And so these perversions, these habits, and this decay that has become the identity of the body, it is constantly saying to the spirit, we do not want life. It's saying to the soul, we don't want to do it your way. Come our way. So there's a tension within us as believers. 
Furthermore, there in your soul, there's also a doctorate. There's also a PhD, if you will. First of all, your soul thrives on philosophy. On its own opinion, on its own will, on its own logic and analysis and synthesis. Your mind thrives on its own interpretation. And that's really what happened in the Garden of Eden. The woman saw that that fruit was good for food and that it can make her wise, philosophical. And so this is what the mind thrives on. And of course, the mind is in direct opposition to the mind of God also. The mind has its own wisdom, its own way of thinking. Your mind has been trained to think a certain way. And so that's why your, your soul, your mind easily gives into the flesh. Because they've been buddied up like two railroad tracks. Your flesh is going this way and your mind just readily agrees and parallels your flesh. And your mind has its own judgment, its own interpretation of truth, its own way of making sense of the world, which is really what philosophy is all about. Philosophy is the human mind attempting to span the mysteries of God. It's wise in its own opinion, its own judgment. It has a doctorate, a stronghold in here of how things ought to be. For good, for bad, it's all still in the soul. Furthermore, the soul, which is this self-life within a man, it fixates on his own humanity. On its own humanity. This really is what the self-life is all about. You know, in God's original creation order, He created man with a soul. Man became a living soul. And in the soul of man is a beautiful mind and a beautiful determination to walk with God and a beautiful emotion. The soul of man is beautiful. But sin also crept in there and began to, you know, deteriorate the soul. And so the soul morphed into this self. And Christ would often make these uh, proclamations. You have to deny your soul life, your self-life, which fixates on its own humanity. So your mind has been trained to think its own thoughts, its own survival, its own interpretation. It's all about I, me, and my self. So this is your soul, or shall I say, this is your fallen soul. And yes, in your soul there is this desire to do good. There is this desire to comply with the law of God. To take the philosophy of God and the teachings of God. But in the end, your soul fixates strongly on self-determinism and self-wisdom, self-preservation. In a nutshell... Your soul has a doctorate in humanity. Furthermore, your soul is always discontent. It's never good enough. It's never clean enough. 
It's never educated enough. Your soul is always striving to do more, to avoid more, to learn more, to understand more. And so in the soul part of man, there's always this discontentedness, this restlessness. And so as humans, we have this doctorate in discontent. Your soul wants to be entertained and pampered and it, 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 it's never at ease, at, at rest. Yeah, how's that for a PhD? So there's your body and it's trained in its own unique way of living. There's your soul trained in its own unique way of living. So now you add a third portion to your being. The Spirit of God wooed you, and in an act of faith and humility, you cried out to God, and you received the life of God into you. You received the work of the cross into you, and you received the Spirit of God into you, and so now your spirit is birthed, made alive. We would say your spirit is regenerated. So now your spirit also has a PhD within it. First of all, this nature, this law that came into your spirit is a powerful, dynamic, operative life entity that came into you. It's the very life of God, the very life of Christ. It's the very nature and dynamic of the Holy Spirit that came into you and there is power with it. Even so much so that it rose Christ from the dead. And even so much so that in verse 11, it will eventually give life to your decaying mortal body and raise it from the dead. There is a power within you. And Paul describes it as the law of the Spirit of life. Furthermore, that Spirit who lives within you, that Father, that Son... That triune God who now lives within us. There is holiness within you. There is the very nature of God within you. And it's a perfect nature. Which brings me to the D. There is divinity within you. There is divinity within you. And beloved, here starts the war within the spiritual life. Remember, your body is used to its own way of living. Your mind is used to its own way of thinking. And your spirit just awoke in the resurrection. Your spirit was just inbreathed with God. So now there's a power within your spirit. There is a power within your mind. And there is a power within your flesh. And they all pull in opposite directions. Now, how will the Spirit gain access to your entire being and begin to flood the power of God into your mind, the power of God into your body? 
How will the holiness and the divinity of God reach your person? Paul gives us a hint. As your mind has to begin to lean into the things of the Spirit of God, the truths of God, the, the mind of God, the will of God, the ways of God, we say, your mind has to lean into the economy of God. And so your mind, in a way, becomes a gateway of God into the body. So let me show this again. Here's your spirit with its own doctorate in divinity. Here is your soul with its own doctorate in humanity. And here is your body, or your flesh if you will, with its own doctorate in decadence, fallenness, and waywardness, and rebellion. So Paul says, if your mind is set on the Spirit, then it's as though the Spirit can, through your mind, have a gateway into your soul, and then a gateway into your body to rewire it, to retrain it, to, to redirect it. But if your mind leans into the body, it's as though the spirit is stunted. So if I can sketch this for you, it's almost as though here is the crucial dynamic, is will your mind think on God? Will your mind lean into truth as we have it in the Word of God? Or will your mind listen to the body? And take the way of this world, the customs and the traditions and the habits of the body. So beloved, this is where the war then starts. And this is where faith has to rise up even in the mind of a man. This is where the will of a man will have to begin to agree and say, Amen to the truth of God. If your mind is checked, sloppy and disengaged, you cannot live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is not just going to um, shove Himself down your mind. It's as though the Holy Spirit will knock deep within the core of your spirit man. But then your mind has to be set on that knock and open that door. And you will have to take your will and say, Amen, God, you're welcome into this house. And if you do that... It's almost as though from the Spirit, through your soul, there can be a gateway to your body so that you live spirit, soul, and body for the purposes of God on this earth. Many of us just think God is just going to show up and, and change my life, change my habits. Paul reveals a little bit more of a partnership here. You will have to lean in. Give your thoughts and the energy of your will and the focus of your attention to spiritual matters if you want your body to live for God. So I want to uh, tell you what the Spirit of God wants to do in your soul and in your body. And again, I want to use the acronym of PHD. That is, the PhD in your spirit, that power, 
that holiness, that divinity in your spirit wants to flood into your mind, wants to flood now into your body and change the, the standards of the mind and the standards of the body. And it's possible. So I want to hint and suggest at a few things, if you will. If you can learn to agree with God and set your mind on God, and you can be God-word in your will instead of your will giving it to the body, then change can come and harmony can come in your being and there can be life and peace within your being. The reason many of us do not experience life and peace is because my body is pulling this way, my spirit is pulling this way, and my mind is sort of not engaged. It's in limbo. So that's why our outer man and our inner man is not in harmony. So I don't have life and peace. But here Paul says, you can have life and peace if your inner man of your mind is now fixing its attention on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who lives within you. So, here's what the Spirit of God wants to do in your soul. He wants to give you a PhD makeover in your soul. And first and foremost, God has to change your perspective, your paradigm within your mind. Because we all see a certain way, and for most of us, we just see ourselves. Because it's all about me. My paradigm is scripted around self-preservation. So why do we have the letters of Paul? Why do we have the New Testament? It's so that it can challenge my paradigm, my perspective. And beloved, you've got to get into the truths of God's Word. And really mean business because it gives us a different perspective. After all, it's called the new covenant. It's a different perspective of how to live this life. And you will have to give yourselves to this perspective. And if you do, and if you lean into the truths of the Spirit of God, the life of Christ and the realities of the Father, then your paradigm will change. And you will no longer see as the world sees. And when the body says, let's do it this way, let's go this way, let's go jump off this cliff, then your mind can say, no, by the Spirit of God that has changed its perspective, your mind can tell the body, hey, comply. But if your mind is still according to the elements of this world and it's not renewed and it's not transformed, then your body is going to run helter-skelter with you. Next, your mind has to become permanently yoked to the mind of God. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me and learn from me and yoke yourself to me. Take my yoke upon you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is writing and speaking to the Corinthians that your mind has to be inundated with the mind of Christ. Not with natural wisdom, natural philosophy, natural opinion in the course of this world. Allow your mind to be transformed by the truths of God. 
Yoke yourself permanently to the way of God, the will of God, the economy of God. And the word that I have for you here is to harness yourself. That is, yoke yourself, bind yourself. So in everything that your body say, hey, let's do it this way, your mind needs to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what does God say? And of course, we have the Word of God. We have the body of Christ. And we have to yoke and harness ourselves and say, stop for a minute, flesh. What does God say about this? When you do that, you're leaning into the Spirit and you're opening up a gateway for the Spirit to be power, to be holiness, and to be divinity into the soul and into the body. So that the body can, yeah, walk the straight and the narrow. But also, your soul has to learn what it means to be dependent on God. See, your soul... Your mind is all about itself. Often when we pray, Lord, it's about me. You do something for me. You bless me. The soul thrives on independence. The soul thrives on its own philosophy. The mind thrives on its own judgment and observation and interpretation. So what is a spiritual man? It's not like he checks his mind. The spiritual man is not some robot, some vegetable blank up here. What has to happen is the spiritual man submits every thought to the Lordship of God. And there are going to be many thoughts there that are independent with its own opinion. And so this mind wants to be flooded with the Spirit of God and make it dependent on God. And that's really what abiding is all about. To abide in God is to constantly lean into God and not into my own understanding. Yeah. Because the mind, again, thrives on its own humanity. It's all about me. And the religious mind is even worse because the religious mind um, just only looks to all the things he can do and avoid. It's still about him. What can I do? What can I avoid? But the spiritual mind is looking to God constantly. Father, what do you say? Do you want me to go to this wedding? Lord, do you want me to marry this woman? Lord, do you want me to go to this college in this town? The spiritual man submits everything to God. And he lives mendicant. That means to be open-minded, open-hearted, and open-handed. The spiritual man don't just ask God to bless his endeavors. The spiritual man literally lives open-handed before God. And that becomes the gateway. If the Spirit can change your perspective, and if the Spirit can have you be yoked and harnessed with Him, and if the Spirit can flood into you a dependence on God, unlike ever before, then your body is going to fall in place. Because by the Spirit now, you will put to death the deeds of the body. You will change the habits and trajectory and practices of the body. And so that PhD 
that was decadent and fallen with its own habits and customs and its own perversions, all that can now change. Your body can have a makeover and a brand new PhD. So, your practices, your habits can be overhauled. In Romans 6, Paul says, we present our body now to the Lord so we can live out and practice out righteousness. We know from Hebrews chapter 5 that the body and the mind can be trained into new ways. Paul says that, you know, we can train this body in the ways of godliness. So the body can take on new habits, new practices. But your body will only comply with these new practices if your soul has a new perspective. This perspective of heaven. The truth of heaven, the will of heaven. So now my body used to get drunk and be loose and sleep around. Now my body can be sober. My body can speak for God. My body can serve for God. My body can be chaste and honorable with dignity. And yes, there's still residual sin in it. The body is going to keep shouting, Oh, come this way. But yeah, the body can act out righteousness. It can turn the other cheek. It can give a cold cup of water. But the body will only come into these practices through the gateway of the mind leaning into spiritual things. Next, your body can be trained. Your body can be sharpened. And that's the word honed. Your body can be honed. Like you take an axe and you hone that edge. And you sharpen it. You train that axe, if you will. Your body can be trained by the Holy Spirit. So we can present this body as a living sacrifice. Here's my body, God. Train it. Use it for your purposes. And so now this body can speak and live, and come, and go, and it can be a missionary, and it can be a servant, and it can be a pastor, and a preacher, and a teacher. The body don't have to go the way of sin. It can be renewed. It can be honed. It can become very sharp, an instrument useful in the master's service, as Paul would say to Timothy. And then lastly, um, your body, even though it is trained in righteousness, there's going to be still some residual sin that's constantly going to scream to high heaven, please pay attention to me. Please let's do it my way, the old way, the former way. And so by the Spirit, there will now be the law of the Spirit of life that can come into your soul. That's the gateway to your body. And you will be able to, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. Look at it in verse 13. 
For if you live according to the flesh, if you mind and lean into this lifestyle of the flesh, you're going to die. You're going to experience death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So listen, here is then the most amazing thing, is that by the Spirit you will be able to denounce the things, the habits, the customs, the comforts of the flesh. Praise the Lord. So this is what salvation is. Salvation is coming to my spirit. Changed it around with power and, and holiness and divinity. Salvation can now come through the gateway of my soul into my mind and change my paradigm and my perspective. And it can harness me now to the truth of God. And it can make me dependent on God. And then furthermore, that power can now save not only my spirit, my soul, but my body can begin to live out the salvation of God. Even before the resurrection, when this body is fully glorified and transformed, this body can become useful to God. See, Satan loves to use the body for his own purposes, but now it can become a vessel of honor. It can become a vehicle for the economy of God. It can become a temple of God. Even before the resurrection, God can save portions of your body. Praise the Lord! In closing, your soul is the gateway. Hence the war. If you live the Christian life in limbo and you don't choose for the Spirit, your flesh is going to take over and usurp your mind and automatically draw it into the gutter. So your mind has to be active. You can't just say, Holy Spirit, do a great work in me. You, you've got to give yourself to the truths of God and study and be in the body of Christ and live in the economy of God. You have to seek out the ways of God and put your mind on those things. Paul would say in Colossians, put your mind on things which are above, where you are seated with Him in the heavenly places. Beloved, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an effort we teach that the spiritual life is all about God. God gracing you. God empowering you. But Paul now teaches, if you want to walk in the Spirit, it's going to involve your mind. Many of us have this perspective. God's just going to sort of take me over and I'm just going to be sort of floating through the spiritual life. Not so. It involves an active participation in your mind, as the gateway for salvation to your body. So, beloved, you cannot be spiritually lazy in your mind. Because if your mind is not set on God and trained on God with the perspective of God, dependent on God, your body is going to take your mind and go the old way again. So you have to learn to buddy up your mind with the Spirit Otherwise, your mind's going to buddy up with your flesh. And you do not have to live in this tension. 
we can actually live in life and in peace if we mind God. What will you do with that mind? What will occupy that mind? What do you put in there? What do you tell yourself? What stories do you believe? Because it's a gateway to your body acting a certain way. Nine-tenths of your body living a certain way is because your mind is set on it, trained towards it, and believes the deception. But here comes the Spirit of God, and this is good news, y'all. We can spirit, soul, and body live out totally different way than we did in our former years. We can put to death the deeds of the body. We can put off the practices of the body. And we can put on the new life in the Spirit. Beloved, let that start today. Amen.